Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with David's lament over Saul, as we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Actually, when the men came back from the war with the victories and all, the young girls would get their tambourines and they would come out in their dances and they would go through their dances praising the men for their battle and their valor and their victories and all. And and David could see the celebrations in his mind that were going on in these Philistine cities because this mighty man Saul and this beloved friend Jonathan were slain. And so he's crying out, don't publish it in Gath. Don't publish it in Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines come out in their dances and they rejoice and all. And then he turned to the Mount Gilboa where Saul fell. And he said, ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away in the shield of Saul, as though, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain and from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Now this sort of curse upon Mount Gilboa, because Saul had fallen, let there not be the dew of heaven or rain fall upon thee. Let there not be wheat fields grow upon thee. Very interesting because you go to Israel today and look at Mount Gilboa and it's barren, a rocky, barren mountain. Now, all around it, the mountains are just covered with trees, lush, beautiful, and green. But Gilboa stands out because of its barrenness. Now, I guess the people of Israel sort of helped this prophecy out because in all of the reforestation of Israel, they've planted millions of trees. But they won't plant trees on Mount Gilboa because of this lament of David. And so it is interesting that Mount Gilboa remains barren to the present day in fulfillment of this lament of David. And it's always just sort of, you know, interesting to look at Gilboa and see the barrenness of it and then remember, ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, let, neither let there be any rain upon you or fields of offerings. And then he addresses himself to the daughters of Israel, ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? 
O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? Now there are some perverted minds who declare that David and Jonathan had uh, homosexual relationships, uh, a homosexual relationship going between them because of this declaration of David, and such thing is the worst kind of trash. It's blasphemous. No such thing is inferred from this in the Hebrew text at all. It's blasphemous. Now it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, and he said, shall I go up to Judah? Now to me it is interesting as we observe David, he doesn't take any actions without first of all seeking guidance from God. Now there is a scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Now many times we complain that we don't know what God wants. We are confused as to the leading of God within our lives. And oftentimes it is as James said, you have not because you ask not. The scripture tells us that if in all of our ways we acknowledge him, he will direct our path. You see, our problem is that we're prone to just go ahead and barge in and then later say, Lord, what am I doing here? Why did you allow me to get in this place? Whereas had I stopped beforehand and said, Lord, shall I go in? He would have said, no, stay out of there. There's problems in there. So it's important that we acknowledge the Lord in everything, and if we do, then God will direct our path. And here David is a classic example of seeking the guidance of the Lord in, in every move. Now, you remember he was living in the city of the Philistine. The, actually, the king of Gath, Achish, had given them this city of Ziglag because Saul had been chasing him all over, and he got tired of running from Saul, feared Saul was finally going to catch up with them and kill him. And so he fled over to the Philistines, knowing that Saul wouldn't pursue him there. And Achish gave him this Philistine city of Ziklag. And so David now says, Lord, shall I go to one of the cities of Judah? And the Lord answered David and said, go up. And David said, where shall I go, Lord? Uh, and the Lord said to Hebron. So here's David inquiring of the Lord, seeking the guidance of God for each move that he made. So David went up there and his two wives also, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. And his men that were with him, David brought up every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and they anointed David king over the house of Judah, and they told David, saying that the men of Jabesh-Gilead were those that buried Saul. So uh, they came, anointed David king, and he was informed at that point uh, of, the, of the men of Jabesh-Gilead who took Saul's body and Jonathan's body out of the temple at Beth-Sheen and uh, 
took them over to Jabesh Gilead for a decent burial. So David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh Gilead and said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord, that you have showed this kindness unto your Lord, even to Saul, and you have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth unto you, and I also will requit you this kindness because you have done this thing. I'll remember this, David said. Therefore now let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah hath anointed me to be king over them. However, Abner, the son of Ner, who was the captain of Saul's host, he was the one that David had chided earlier because he had failed to guard Saul, he took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim, which is on the other side of Jordan. And he made him king over Gilead and all of the Azurites and over Jezreel and Ephraim and over Bethlehem and all of Israel. So Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned for two years. But the house of Judah followed David, and the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. And so the kingdom is divided. Later on, the kingdom is to be divided again at the time of David's grandson Rehoboam because of his stupidity. The northern ten tribes pulled out and formed a separate nation, Israel. The southern two tribes became known as Judah. But David ruled only over Judah. The rest of the tribes swore their allegiance to Saul's son Ishbosheth under Abner's instigation. Now Abner, it would seem, knew that God had anointed David to be king. Abner was actually a cousin to Saul and was probably more or less seeking to reign himself, but using Ishbosheth as sort of a figurehead. And so it was his own ambitions, more or less, to rule. And Ishbosheth, because he was the son of Saul, became a, a sort of a figurehead, not really ruling, you know, but just taking orders from those that control the things. Now, Ishbosheth was 40 years old when he began to reign. David was 30 years old when he began his reign in Hebron. And David reigned for seven years and six months in Hebron over just Judah. It wasn't until seven and a half years later that uh, there came to David the rulers of Israel and said, we want you to rule over all of us. And so his reign began in Hebron over uh, just the tribe of Judah. Now Abner, who was the general and more or less the guy in charge uh, of the Israel, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Menaim to Gibeon. And Joab, who was David's general, and the servants of David went out and they met them together by the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, one on one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. 
And these guys are, are tough, bloody men of war. There's very little to be admired in Joab. In fact, Joab was a very cruel and, uh, and, and difficult person, tough as nails. David tolerated him because he had such tremendous devotion to David, and he was such a tremendous fighter. But David really was never comfortable with Joab because of the nature of the fellow. And so what we read now isn't at all commendable or pleasant or it just shows really the, the corrupt nature of man. So here's Abner with the men of Israel, young fellows. Here's Joab from David. They're sitting by this pool and they say, how about having a little sport? All right, you know, and so 10 of the young men of David and 10 of the young men from Abner got out to entertain these two generals. And they, all of them, grabbed each other by the head and ran each other through with their swords. Great sport. It, you know, it's just sort of hard for us in our... Christian Western culture to even imagine such a thing as being sporting or whatever. And so that escalated into a real battle and Joab and his men jumped up and Abner and his men and Joab began to prevail, the men of David began to prevail over those of Abner and Abner and his men began to flee, and there were three sons there, two brothers of Joab, actually, three sons of Zariah, Joab and Abishai and Asahel. Now, Asahel was as, as fleet as a deer. He was a, just a great runner. And as Abner was fleeing, Asahel started chasing him. But evidently, Asahel didn't have any armor, just running after him. And Abner turned around and said, hey, grab the armor from one of those young boys in order, in order that you might be able to have sort of a fair fight. But he wouldn't do it. He just kept right on his heels, just running after him right on his heels. And finally, Abner said, hey, turn away. Why should I smite you? But he wouldn't listen. He just stayed right on his heels. And finally, Abner ran him through with his spear and, uh, you know, all the way through. And Asahel died there. And uh, as the men of uh, David came up to the spot, they just sort of waited, sort of shocked to see Asahel, the brother of, of uh, Joab, dead. And when Joab and his men came up, then they were getting ready to pursue again in the morning. It was evening, and, and they in the morning started to pursue, and Abner was up on a hill, and he said, you know, shall we fight with the sword forever? You know, we're just going to, you know, what value is it? And so Joab said, good thing you said that, or else, you know, we would have been destroying each other. And Joab and his men went home. However, Joab 
in his heart carried that desire for vengeance against Abner. Now there was a long war, chapter 3, between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David became stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. Now, David began to display a weakness that ultimately led him to that terrible sin for which he received so much notoriety. He began to add wives and concubines. So we have here a list of six sons that were born to him while in Hebron and all six of them by different wives. So he just started taking wives and women into his harem, so to speak. And, uh, of course, his son Solomon carried this thing to ridiculous extremes. But David started multiplying wives. Now, that was one of the things that the kings were not to do according to the commandment of God in Deuteronomy. When you set up kings, they are not to multiply wives and so forth, but David started doing that. And it shows a weakness in David's flesh that ultimately led him to that great sin with Bathsheba. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rispah. Saul, of course, had done the same thing. He had wives and concubines, and this one concubine, Rizpah, had borne Saul two sons. And so Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Now, this evidently was a false charge, it was a, it was a grievous charge. Actually, to go into another man's concubine, even though the other man was dead, it was symbolic of, of taking over his authority and his rule. You remember later on in David's career when Absalom, his son, rebelled against him and David fled from Jerusalem as Absalom was moving up from Hebron with his troops. And David deserted from Jerusalem when Absalom came into the city, he went into David's concubines there in, in the sight of all the people, went into where David's concubines were, which was equivalent of, of ascending to David's place and taking over David's place. So the accusation, you've gone into my father's concubine, why did you do that? was equivalent of saying, what are you trying to do? Take over my father's place. And Abner became extremely upset with this false allegation. And he was very angry with Ishbosheth. And he said, am I a dog's head which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father and to his brothers and friends? And have not I delivered thee into the hand of David 
that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman, and I've not delivered thee into the hand of David. You know, look what I've done for you, and yet you're making this stupid allegation. So do God to Abner and more also, except as the Lord has sworn to David, even so I do to him. Now notice, he knew that the Lord had sworn to David that David should be the king. In spite of the fact that he knew that the Lord had sworn to David that he should be king, yet he had gone against that in establishing Ishbosheth upon the throne. So it was something that he knew was wrong, and yet he did it. And so I swear to David to translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah, from Dan even to Beersheba. Now Dan is up in the furthermost northern part of Israel. It's where the Jordan River comes right out of the ground and begins its course southward. And uh, Beersheba was on the southern extreme, just on the border of the wilderness, from which area south, it was just desert wilderness area. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Samuel 1 through 3 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you this week. May he watch over your lives and keep you in his love. May you abound in the love of Jesus Christ as God works in you, his perfect work of love and grace. May God grant that you have just a special week of enjoying the goodness and the fullness of God and his love in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith as he teaches from Genesis through Revelation on a digitally remastered audio edition of Pastor Chuck's Bible Commentary. That's over 600 audio MP3 files of Pastor Chuck teaching through the entire Bible, all on a 16-gig reusable flash drive. 
Now you can easily listen to Pastor Chuck's Bible commentaries when you insert this key into your computer. Then you can transfer all of these audio Bible studies to a smartphone or any other listening device to learn and study God's Word on the go. And not only that, you can reuse this flash drive that easily fits onto any keyring for even more mobility at a fraction of the cost. What a great way to study and learn God's Word. For more information, please call the Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.